the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Uh, AM 970 presents Eye on Real Estate. This is your premier source for real estate information. From the hot properties in the tri-state to the latest in real estate market trends. From mortgage news to answers to all of your real estate questions, you'll be in the know with help from the experts. Call now, 866-970-9622. 866-970-9622. Now, here's your host for Eye on Real Estate, Douglas Elements Vice Chair, Dottie Herman. Welcome back. This is attorney Stephen Ebert from Casson and Casson. I'm co-hosting with Ace Watana Suparp, National Director of Strategic Sales for Citizens Bank. And we are so pleased to have with us Elise Glink. Elise, how are you? Hey, fine, thank oh, Fine, thank you. Nice to be here. Thanks for Hello. joining us. So for our, our listeners, um, I know you are a great thought leader on personal finance. Uh, and in real estate, you uh, have been on YouTube, on cable channels, and uh, nationally syndicated. But if, for those of you, for those those listeners who are not familiar with yourself, if you can just give us a little background about yourself, please. Sure, I've been a nationally syndicated real estate columnist for more than 20 years. Um, my work runs every week in the Washington Post, Chicago Tribune, L.A. Times, and about 30 other newspapers nationwide. Uh, in addition, I've been a radio talk show host for 25-plus years. Uh, I work now with WGN Radio in Chicago, and I am the CEO of a financial wellness technology company called Best Money Moves. We sell our technology platform, and more than 3 million people have access to it. That That's terrific. And I imagine now is an interesting time and you're getting a lot of questions about what people should do in purchasing a home or listing a home and really some questions about the market. What, what are some of the, the key concerns that you're seeing from some of your listeners and viewers? Well, people just are having a hard time finding homes to buy. There's a nationwide shortage that the National Association of Realtors has identified probably something in the order of six to seven million homes short in this country. And people will say to me all the time, well, why are we short on real estate? Aren't people building it? And the answer is that over the last, oh, 10 to 12 years, we really haven't been building anywhere near the number of homes that we should have been building in order to keep up with the amount of households that have been created or sometimes homes get old and they just literally are uninhabitable and so you've got to replace them. You also had a huge number of large um, funds, hedge funds, and other kinds of private equity ventures that have bought homes coming out of the Great Recession 10, 12 years ago, and those were rented to people, and so those came off of the home ownership market, and they moved to the renter side. But, you know, the, uh, our economy is growing. We've got a lot of new households, and we simply don't have enough places for people to buy. 
It's it's a great point, and you definitely also see some preference changes as well. You know, when trying to settle down on a city or even a neighborhood, what are a few of the tips that you would advise consumers to be on the lookout for to make some wise choices, at least on the investment side? Of course, there's certain style and curb appeal that everyone has their own personal opinions, and they have to like the property. But focusing more from an investment side, what are some trends they should look out for? Well, I think that it's really important for people who want to buy investment property to really understand what kind of property they want to buy, right? If you're buying a single-family home or you're buying something you're going to rent on Airbnb, that's one kind of homeowner. And we saw a lot of people get burned last year with Airbnb when people just canceled their reservations and they didn't end up having, you know, for like a year, nobody went and traveled in houses. Um, So are you that kind of homeowner? Is that the kind of investor you want to be? You want to own a bunch of Airbnb places? What is that going to require? How do they have to look? You have to constantly maintain them. And there's a lot of theft or breakage, as you might call it, in the industry. So that's one kind of investing. There's also an investing where you're going to buy a home, fix it up, maybe live there for 24 months and then sell it. You can keep up to a half a million dollars in profits tax-free if that's your primary residence for two out of out of five years. Um, so there's that kind of investing. But you can invest in multifamily properties. You could buy a gas station at the corner of a strip mall. You could buy the strip mall itself. You could do a small commercial building, multi use property where you've got commercial on the first floor and then rental units above. Uh, or you can just do something that's, you know, where you're buying warehouse uh, space of some sort and you're letting it out on a, you know, to a commercial use. All of those different uh, kinds of properties are investment properties. They all have very different rules and regulations. They require different levels of um, overseeing by you, the owner, and you have to understand what you're willing to do and and how it all works and what kind of a a cap rate or an investment return you're interested in uh, before you move forward. Another question that I see a lot of um, first-time home buyers have is really trying to see what they need to do to make their house, financial house, that is, in order. You know, they'll say, well, I know I can get a loan, and maybe I can get one of those, you know, low-down payment loans or so forth, but I want to take a step back, and I may not, they may not have, uh, you know, a strong financial advisor, even one at all, and guessing what are some of the benchmarks that they should look at or some of the criteria to make sure that they would feel comfortable to have the reserves and the income to really afford that home purchase? Well, I think that the amount of money you have to spend today is so frightening that even, you know, interest rates are near historic lows. They're not under two, you know, in the 2% range anymore, but they're still just around three or three and a quarter percent for a 30 year fixed rate loan. Historically low. I don't know about you, but when I bought my first house about a million years ago, my interest rate was 11 and three quarter percent. And my kids think it's like, did you buy your house with a credit card, mom? It's like, no, actually, that's just what the banks were offering at the time. Um, but I think for people today, they don't have any idea of how much it costs to actually, you know, rent their house to, uh, I'm sorry, to uh, pay for the ownership of it, the mortgage, the taxes, the insurance, the maintenance, the upkeep. Uh, and any other work they want to do. They're very focused on making it look like, you know, it's something on HGTV, but, uh, which is great, but you have to, you know, focus on 
actually buying the house first. And so for a lot of people, young people in particular, Gen Zs and younger millennials, they're coming out of college with a huge amount of debt, about $30,000 on average. They don't have much of a credit score at all, um, or they haven't learned how to pay bills on time. I know that sounds crazy, but that really is a problem for a lot of young people learning how to just budget their money and figure out where it goes to work on their credit. They're aware that they need to do that. They're just not quite sure how to do it. And so one of the reasons I started my my financial wellness company, Best Money Moves, is I wanted to give people that sort of help that allowed them to learn how to budget, gave them objective, deep information that explained all these different concepts in a way that made them feel empowered and not stupid and, you know, really put them in in touch with a, a vetted group of um companies and products that would help them achieve their goals. And so I I offer to everybody who's listening today a free version of Best Money Moves. You can go to my website, thinkglink.com, T-H-I-N-K-G-L-I-N-K.com, and you can sign up for your own free version. That's really helpful, and and thank you for offering that. You know, another question on this topic, and I, I think you've made a terrific point where really the generational differences on budgeting, I think it's so much harder for someone who's young to really see the money as we have so many more digital payments and credit card payments. You're not seeing the cash literally go out of your wallet and see the change come back and and see and, and really visualizing that payment. But also I think a big trend right now is we're having a tremendous transfer of intergenerational wealth. And that has, real planning repercussions, um, estate planning, and taxation. But any words of advice or, or maybe a story, too, where you've seen people where you've had a different generation either provide help or maybe co-purchase and, and some pitfalls to watch out for? Well, it, you know, if you're at all tied to the real estate industry, one of the great trends that we're seeing right now is a return to multi-generational housing. And we're seeing it where, you know, last year it just got this huge push, but it was already on the way, where you would have grandparents, parents, and grandchildren all living in a property together. And so people would be looking to use multi-generational income to qualify, and Fannie and Freddie changed some rules around that to make that a little bit easier. Um, And you're looking for four, five, and six-bedroom homes So really large homes with uh, four or five or six bathrooms so that everybody's got space and privacy, but also, you know, the ability for grandparents to help their grandchildren while their parents are working from home. I mean, COVID just brought all kinds of issues to light. But that trend to multi-generational housing has been out there and it's getting a whole lot stronger. Um, and, and I think we'll continue to see it. And I think we're going to see developers start to build more housing that meets that need, whether it's, and the rules here are changing as well. They started changing in California. This is spreading across uh, the country, but you're starting to see uh, different areas of, of the country where you build your main house, but you're allowed to build an ancillary building on the property and it's now called like the grandparents' house, right? <laughs> so, you know, maybe it's a one bedroom with a micro kitchen and a living space, living area. And it's just big enough for, you know, grandparents to be there where they can have some privacy in their own space, but they're 
very close and easily accessible by children and grandchildren. And there's just, you know, a move back to that. So that's one big thing we're seeing. We're also seeing the continuation of a trend that started probably 15, 20 years ago as the baby boomers got ready to go into retirement, and that is the re-retirement trend. So because kids today are waiting into their 30s, well into their 30s, to have their own children, um, if you're waiting to be a grandparent, you've got a longer wait. So uh, if you were a little bit older to have kids yourself, maybe you were 30, now your kids might be 34, 35 having their first kids. Uh, you're going to be in your mid-60s, and so you may already retire. Or you want to do something different for a while. So you'll take your first step into retirement, and it'll typically be an active retirement, another real estate trend we're seeing, people moving to areas where they can ski and they can have water activities or they can hike or do other things that are very, very active. And then five or ten years later, when your children have their kids and you want to move, be close to the grandkids, you're going to move to wherever your children and grandchildren are living. And so this re-retirement trend seems to be driving more of the retirement decisions rather than the reverse uh, of what happened maybe 20, 30, 40 years ago where people retired and they went and did what they wanted to do. Typically in the East Coast, they would go somewhere south, Florida, maybe North Carolina, Georgia, um, or they would go to the Southwest. But now we're seeing this kind of, well, maybe I'll try that out and then I'm going to come home and be with my grandchildren. And so I think as you look to, and you're certainly right to point out the inheritance that so many people are starting to receive, boomers and Gen Xs, this multi-trillion dollar generational transfer, that's fueling a lot of the ability for these people to buy multiple properties, to buy larger properties, to help uh, find a way to fund children and grandchildren's college tuition. It's just interesting to see how all that money is starting to flow into the economy. Absolutely. Um, and I'm seeing this uh, directly with certain clients, and, you know, it's interesting, complicated housing circuits to fit the exact need that you're describing. So really important, and it's really important that, you know, municipal governments understand this trend because zoning laws are incredibly localized, and so making sure that they really adapt with the times. And, but speaking of also change, I also want to talk a little bit about the role of technology in real estate. And as we're playing a little bit of catch-up in trying to build and increase the housing stock that's available, having new trends in technology, what are some of the things that people should look for? For example, you know, in the past, you know, seeing an evolution from in-ground oil tanks to maybe natural gas is something that's been around for a number of decades. But really the role of, let's say, solar roofs or uh, car and, and car charging stations in a house. What are some of the technologies that you're thinking and seeing that are important that developers are discussing and consumers are discussing? Well, I'm I'm pleased to say that after 25 or 30 years of waiting, we now have the Wi-Fi enabled house, right? So, you know, back we used to talk about, oh, you'll be able to turn on your bathtub from your car as you're pulling in. I don't know about you, but I never take a bath right when I get home. So. That, to me, was the first sign of a really interconnected house. But Wi-Fi-enabled houses, Alexas, Google Homes, um, the technology that you see that actually enables things like to manage leaks, uh, you know, it manages if there's a water leak. Uh, we, we have this in our house now where 
it's actually a little annoying sometimes because it's a little oversensitive, but the technology has become very good where you can place sensors and if the sensors sense that either there's water coming into a place that it shouldn't, it can automatically shut off uh, the main water valve to your house or if they, it senses there's a leak somewhere internally or in the system somewhere, in our case, it tends to be that we forget to you know, turn off the hose outside that we're watering our, our flowers, it'll shut it down as well. So you get this kind of Wi-Fi enabled, let me check on my air conditioning, let me check on my water usage, let me check on all these things. We were actually, my husband and I were just looking at photovoltaic uh, roofs last night because there's about seven or eight companies that are producing um, solar panel tiles for houses that I think are pretty good. But, but now the evolution is don't just get the solar panel roof, get a whole roof that's photovoltaic. Uh, and so one of the, I think right now Tesla right. still has the, the lead on that, right? They've, they've got incredible um, roofs that are entirely photovoltaic and, and, that's something that I personally will be looking into when my roof is just a little bit older. We're at 21 years. We're holding fine. But I think by the time we're ready to replace it, that's the way we're going to go. Yeah, no, I've really seen that trend. It's fascinating. They'll have actually like a, a sheet metal underneath, and they'll literally put in these tiles. Oh, they're probably about maybe about a foot and a half by a foot and a half or so, and they snap right in. And they string them all together. And then from a distance, you generally have that same look uh, of a shingle tile roof. Um, and, and this is where I think, you know, the, the manufacturers need to be sensitive to obviously the regional differences and, and doing the economics on it. But it really is amazing that, you know, the cusp of the real integration of technology. And, you know, I think we went through the first phase of it where, they're just interesting ideas thrown out, not necessarily the most practical, and now they're really putting it together in a way that really is much more effective uh, for the consumer, and, that, and that's I terrific. Think, uh, any I other trends also, that you want to bring oh, up? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I actually wanted to say that I think that everybody should watch out for 3D printing, um, and, it, and this to me is fascinating because you know, the idea that you can 3D print a house in a couple of days, it just is so much savings on time. And so right now they're um, testing large scale, larger scale developments in warm weather climates. Uh, there's actually some developments going on in Mexico right now in the southwest where they're building small houses that would be ideal retirement communities with full bathrooms and, uh, you know, they're obviously wired and electric and all the stuff that goes in there. But they're able to put each one of these houses up in something like 24 to 48 hours. And I think you're going to see more uh, and quicker improvements. And this is going to help with the housing shortage as well, right? Because you're going to be able to, in certain locations, get a whole lot of you know, inex relatively inexpensive housing going up in a relatively short period of time. And we need more affordable housing in this country. Absolutely, we need it. And we need it to be in the places where people want to be living. So I expect to see a new round of technology that just helps make this a whole lot faster and easier. That, that is a great way to segue. Unfortunately, we're coming up right to a break. Uh, we'll be back after this commercial to Iron Real Estate with our guest, Elisa Kling. 
If you're worried about your borderline blood pressure, hear how others are taking charge with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. Garlic works safely and naturally to support my blood pressure. Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula has a custom blend of garlic vitamins and minerals, so you know it works. No garlic taste, no garlic breath. Take charge of your blood pressure with Garlic Healthy Blood Pressure Formula. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. The term natural reference is only the garlic in the product. Use as directed. We're planning a trip to Spain later this year. But our Spanish is... It's pretty bad. So we're using Babbel. Babbel's conversation-based method teaches you real-life words and phrases. And with Babbel's interactive bite-sized lessons, you'll remember what you learned. There's no easier way to learn another language. Ahora hablamos español. He just said, now he speaks Spanish. Babbel, language for life. Now try Babbel for free. Just go to Babbel.com. That's B-A-B-B-E-L.com. Entries due October 29th. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited. Hey, America, you could win $7,000 a week for life. You heard me right. I said you could now win $7,000 a week paid to you every single week for the rest of your life. Only with Publishers Clearinghouse. But you have to go to PCH.com before it's too late. There's just days left to enter to win. It's quick and easy. Just go to PCH.com right now. You can't win if you don't enter. It's $7,000 a week for life. Go to PCH.com right now. That's PCH.com. Get Macy's lowest prices of the season on furniture, mattresses, and rugs specials. Kick back on the Lily Fabric Sofa for $579. Sit down to the new Aberdeen five-piece dining set, now $1,049. And stretch out on the Canyon Queen bed, just $339. Plus, get 50% to 60% off select Simmons and Sealy mattresses. Going on now at Macy's. Savings off sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Are you worried about having lung cancer? I worry about everything, of course. But instead of worrying, go see my friends at Trinitas for a screening. If you're between 50 and 80 years old and have a 20-pack year smoking history, you know, like uh, if you've been smoking like that, or even if you've quit in the past 15 years, listen to me, please. It's no joke. It's time for a lung screening. Give them a call. Make an appointment right now at 908-994-5984. It's 908-994-5984. It's low-dose, painless non-invasive, fast and easy, and only takes 30 seconds at Trinitas to have a screening, and it could save your life. Finding out if you have lung cancer while it's still curable makes all the difference. If you catch it in time, you can beat it. Screenings are covered by most insurance. Do it for your family. Do it for yourself. Just do it. You can count on Trinitas to take care of you. 908-994-5984. Make an appointment. It's 908-994-5984. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elliman's Vice Chair, Dottie Herman. Welcome back. Uh, I'm Stephen Ebert with my co-host Ace Watanasupar. Unfortunately, uh, Dottie is not in this week, and we've had the pleasure of speaking with Elise Blink and talking about various tax and financial and technology trends and considerations when it comes to real estate and your personal uh, finances. And right before the commercial break, we're really talking about innovation as a solution to reduce the amount of time it takes to manufacture housing, to address some of the shortages both in the amount of housing in the country, but also by using these new technologies such as 
off-site building as opposed to on-site, 3D printing. It also reduces the cost because of the use of technology and the decrease in the use of the trades can really help in manufacturing this housing quicker. So, Lisa, going back to her before the break, you were talking about 3D printing and the incredible turn times for some of this modular-like housing to solve the housing shortage, if, if you want to continue that thought, please. Yeah, and just, um, you know, as you think about construction and the amount of time it typically takes to build a house or to do renovation, the ability to have innovations like 3D printing, which can print up a house that's made out of concrete or some sort of very stable uh, with material with a high R factor, meaning that it's really energy efficient. You can build in windows. You can get a roof on it. Uh, it, can, it can really be put together in a way that, that happens quickly. You may even be able to 3D print panels inside a factory, much the way that you would do a manufactured house today. All of that will help speed up the process keep costs a little bit lower, more in, more in line, more affordable, and allow people to get on with their lives in a, faster, which is really what it's all about. I also think that this trend of tiny houses, which makes for excellent viewing on HGTV, by the way, I, I think when push comes to shove, it's pretty hard to live in 300 square feet or you know 150 square feet for a family of five or whatever they show on the show. I think that that trend is going to change into just getting back to smaller homes where you may be living in more congregate oriented living, especially seniors. So maybe you'll have, you know, six, seven or 800 square feet, still not a huge house, very manageable, much more affordable. And you'll come back to more old fashioned neighborhoods where people actually have a lot of walkability um, and they spend time with each other and they share sort of common amenities. I think you're seeing that as well start to crop up as an option, and I think you'll see more of that as we go on. Yeah, and no, I think it's a great point. I mean, you see some of that in the urban areas with some of the co-living with the micro-apartments. And, you know, it, it's it's worked in some it's, – it's a mixed story because it, it with the right people it can work it with, with the wrong quote-unquote roommate. You're not exactly a roommate, but sort of a roommate – uh, it can be uh, can make some uh, from dramatic TV, um, but um, but thank you so much for really giving us this wonderful update. And again, if you can um, please uh, tell our, our listeners your website again if they want to uh, sign up for the free newsletter and other information. Oh, absolutely! So you can go to thinklink.com, T-H-I-N-K-G-L-I-N-K.com. I, it's a free resource website. There's like 14 pages, 14,000 pages of free information. My columns from over the year are there. And on it, there's a box, and it says sign up for Best Money Moves. It's free, and it is free, and it will allow you to have a complete subscription for free that will help you manage your money and make better financial decisions throughout all parts of your life. So I hope everybody will go and sign up and start using it. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Wonderful information, wonderful resource, and uh, it was a pleasure having you here. It's very nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. Ace? Steven, wow, that was amazing. What a great resource. Wonderful. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I was just listening. I really wanted to 
uh, see what her thoughts were and just talk about 3D printing. You know, being able to print a house uh, made out of concrete and just, you know, building efficiencies with solar panels and things of that nature. I mean, that's just the wave of the future, uh, Stephen, and it's cost-effective, and it's just amazing how technology has helped us in so many different ways and just listening to her thoughts on real estate and things of that nature. It's, it's always good to have, you know, someone like her give us um, her point of view. So I uh, learned a lot actually, Stephen, you know, um, during, during the interview. So great, great guest. Hopefully we'll have her on um, in future shows as well. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, some of these trends, I mean, this leads into, the broader economy, as we're having a dialogue on what are we using for energy with gas and natural gas and oil and distribution lines, when we're really talking about these types of evolutions where homes could potentially be not only self-sufficient for energy, but the house could be an energy exporter, you know, it really reimagines how we design neighborhoods, how we design our electric grid, and, and really that cost of energy production. Because, you know, energy costs are a huge impact on the economy. And when we start tying in housing with energy and transportation logistics, all of a sudden how we create goods and services and how we move them around and the cost of that creation fundamentally changes. So really housing in this way can have a tremendous impact on the economy and our imports and exports. So it's really an exciting conversation. And, and, you know, it's you're thinking about, oh, I'm just buying a place to live. But buying a place to live, when you multiply that out, could have tremendous repercussions uh, throughout. I think, Stephen, just for generations to come, you know, global warming is a huge, huge um, situation that all of us need to deal with. And I think, you know, your, your statement on reimagining what housing looks like. I think uh, we're seeing that more and more today. You see sol- solar panel roofing. You know, we're seeing all these more energy-efficient ways that homes can be built. I think that's the future, um, Stephen. I don't even think that's the future. I think that's what's happening today. And I think we need to get behind it, learn more about it, and try to see and, and take part in what we can do to help the environment and, you know, and, and mother nature. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's bigger than all of us. Right. And, and I think, you know, for builders, home developers, I think that's really going to be a really, really critical part of um, building homes in today's marketplace. So uh, there's, there's also a lot of, a lot of solar panel companies out there um, connecting with developers now um, in that space. So really, really good to see. And I think also with that, um, you know, when it comes to banks and the mortgage industry, as well as the insurance companies, they may need to reevaluate some of the guidelines that they have in giving a loan, right? The question is, if you're trying to understand the value of a home, and yes, you have the price of the land, and yes, you have the curb appeal and the size and so forth, but one evolving characteristic may have to be, is this an energy-consuming home or energy-producing home? Is it yeah. a home that is more likely to have issues like water damage? And do we maybe change the amount of insurance on a home and coverage that we need 
based on having these technology systems in place, right? We're so used to having a smoke detector. Well, what about this water detector? What about maybe something else like a mold detector that you might have in the house which could warn you? And how does that all interplay with one another? So these are a lot of interesting conversations. Yeah, that's interesting, Stephen. That's really interesting, right? How does the bank assess an energy-efficient home as opposed to a home that's consuming a lot of energy, right? I, I think that's, that's you know, on the insurance side alone, that's a major difference. So I, I, I like where this conversation is going. I'd love to hear from our listeners what they think um, in terms of, you know, our topic um, that we're that we're discussing today. It's, it's a big topic, you know, especially for the Gen Zs, the millennials. I mean, this is big for them, you know. It's It's really laying the foundation for a better future as well, so. All, all, all things and that absolutely. we're discussing today. Absolutely, and it's and it's things in people's control. I think so many times people say, "Well, how can I be part of a solution?" And right when I think of as a kid, oh, you recycled your soda can instead of throwing it in the garbage, right? Yeah. And, and so now, all of a sudden, you can say there are consumer-based decisions where I can really have a win-win. Where I'm getting, it's I'm getting more value. I'm spending my money wisely, and also having an impact. And it's very nice to see when that aligns, because a lot of times it may not. But here's here's a situation where you really could have an alignment um, all across the board, which is terrific. I mean, Stephen, thinking about eco-friendly uh, homes, you know, throughout Manhattan. There's lead-based buildings, and a lot of these, um, I guess, they call lead or lead um, buildings are environmentally uh, friendly buildings where there's water filtration systems, things of that nature. So we're seeing that trend already in Manhattan, and I think, you know, as we see more developers sort of come into this space, we're going to see a lot more solar panel roofing as well. So. Yeah, I think that I think that is tremendous. And I know we're coming up to a break in just a moment. But again, you know, please, uh, you know, look around, check out our website and our guest website to really see some of these exciting technologies and innovations uh, for your home. You're listening to Ion Real Estate. Balance of Nature's Fruits and Vegetables in a Capsule, Changing the World One Life at a Time. I'm an old guy who takes really good care of himself. When I found your product, I was really glad because if the fruits and vegetables aren't available in the stores, this product is there. But also for the emergency storage situation, if it should be needed when uh, fresh fruits and vegetables are not available through the supply chain. I'm 75 years old, and, you know, I pump iron, you know, walk five miles uphill. I feel a lot younger than I actually am, and balance in nature has something to do with that. Get a wide variety of all your daily recommended servings of whole fruits and vegetables without having to leave your home. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 1-800-2468-751 or go to balanceofnature.com and make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code THEANSWER. 
Your business is ready for a reboot, a recharge. The way our companies operate has changed. Adapting to the changes hasn't been easy, but never more important to succeed. Many of the digital resources available have helped overcome obstacles your business is facing. But are you using the full potential of every one of them? That's where Salem Surround can help. Your business needs to use digital tools more than ever to stay in touch with customers, making buying decisions right now and for the future. Will they consider or even know about you? The marketing team at Salem Surround gives you the tools needed to stand out and be visible to current and potential customers online right now looking for what you do. We'll design a plan that targets and surrounds customers with proven marketing strategies. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your marketing plan and see how we can help place your advertising message in front of today's consumers. Learn more at surroundnewyork.com. Surroundnewyork.com. Connecting you with new customers. As many of you know, Buddy Foy Jr. and his wife Jen owned the Chateau on the Lake in Bolton Landing, New York, on Lake George. It was the inspiration for their Food Network TV show, Summer Rush, which chronicled happenings at the Chateau and the restaurants owned by Buddy's parents and brother. If you've never been, it's time to go, because they've received over 30 Diner's Choice Awards, the Wine Spectator's Award of Excellence, and have been named to the Top 100 Most Romantic and Top 100 Most Scenic in America. The lakefront is a spectacular way to dine, enjoying the magnificent beauty of Lake George. Open for nine years, the Foys and their professional staff are passionate about food and people and are famous for serving delicious French-inspired cuisine in Italian portions. The Chateau on the Lake also has luxury rooms if you want to spend the night. For more details and to make a reservation, visit their website, thechateauonthelake.com. That's thechateauonthelake.com. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elliman's Vice Chair, Dottie Herman. Welcome back. This is Attorney Stephen Ebert and Ace Watana Suparp, Head of National Strategic Sales for Citizen Bank, co-hosting today. Unfortunately, Dottie's not here today, but she'll be back next Saturday. And we have a caller, Rosalie from Staten Island. Rosalie, good morning. Good morning, Stephen and Ace. How are you? Can you hear me? Hi, Rosalie. Thanks for joining us. Yes, we can hear you. Um, actually, I have a follow-up question. I had called you several months ago because I had a situation where um, a two-family investment house where my father-in-law also had a, a, an apartment. Um, my father-in-law passed away, so... Um, the relationship with my husband's family has been estranged for many years. So I had an attorney reach out to my sister-in-law about the contents of the apartment. So she wanted to come in and take whatever she needed. The lawyer gave her two opportunities. Um, my father-in-law passed away on June 30th, so she came in on July 30th. And then she came back on August 30th. And there's still tons of stuff in the apartment. Now, the the attorney, uh, and I got him through a referral. I don't know this man personally, and all the communication was on the phone or through emails, uh, now told me that I can just go in and just throw everything out. And I I, I don't know because I'm afraid to do that because I'm afraid of getting in trouble, even though, because the attorney, the way he worded it on the email, didn't exactly say those words. So my question to you is, 
can I go in now after giving her two opportunities to empty out the apartment? Can I just go in now and just, I know it's going to cost me money, but just get rid of whatever's left. So there's a few, there's a few things to deal with here. And I do remember the call and again, condolences on your loss. And I know Thank it you. is not easy um, when, when, when we have family members, cause you have a lot of everything tied in the financial and the, and, and the emotional. Um, a right. couple things to keep in mind. Number one, it should be a clear communication between you and your attorney. So if you feel that the communication from your attorney requires you to sort of read between the lines and take a few more steps, you should write them back and say, I interpret your email this way, but I'd like you to clearly clarify that I'm allowed to do this and make that clear and have that dialogue. Number one, you shouldn't be in a position where you sort of have to interpret and guess. It should be a clear instruction. Um, okay. The second thing in really taking a look at it is when you have an estate, you have an executor and you have heirs. The executor is the person or sometimes persons who are charged with executing the plan of the estate and making sure things go where they're supposed to go. And the heirs are the ones who are entitled to that property. So what I don't know, and I don't want to specifically get into all the details, I'll just throw some scenarios out there for you, is who is the person who is responsible to execute the estate plan and who is entitled to receive that property? Because depending upon that answer, um, it will also make, give you more comfort, right? If you're letting your sister-in-law take certain property that she may not even be entitled to, but just as a courtesy and for family relations, et cetera, then if she doesn't have a right to it, you're basically giving her a gift. And that's different versus having a right to it. But the last well, thing I would say, um, there's no, I, there's, I guess that was one point. Okay. The last point I would just say is she did have two opportunities. I would just make sure you give a clear, unequivocal statement. And what you want to say in that statement is saying, look, father-in-law passed on in this state. You've been to the property twice. We need to complete the disposition of the property. Um, if, you know, if we don't have it cleaned out by you, by this date certain, then we'll, we'll determine that the property is abandoned. And I think the best remedy for that is to have the attorney for the estate write such a letter um, and um, just make sure it's clear that you've had two opportunities and basically we, need now, we now need to go to the next phase. So if we don't hear and have it resolved, not just and I don't mean just an email to say, oh, I'm interested in going back again. Really affirmative action than to say it's going to be deemed abandoned property, and that's the date. And that way to just really bookend it. Because also I want to point out that this advice that you're getting is not just legal advice and liability, but it's also family advice. You want to be able to go to Thanksgiving dinner and be able to say that you took the high road. And but at the same time, of course, and I take, I think, the point that you're you're mentioning with these questions of I'm happy to take the high road, but there's also a limit to your patience. And that's the balance that should be struck. Right. Because the, the property, the apartment is is abandoned, per se. Um, 
And I do have to go in there periodically because the house does not have a basement. So if there's any, let's say, um, a sewer backup, he'll go into that apartment first. So I can't, you know, and I manage other properties. I can't just leave something abandoned. Uh, and I have I have two other tenants, so I have to watch out for their safety as well. I, I just feel frustrated because my father-in-law did not have a, he he was a poor man. He I know he didn't have a will, and most of the stuff in there is old and junky and whatever. So I'm just you know I'm really frustrated because I just want to be done again. I, I there's not going to be any Thanksgiving dinner with with my husband's other family. But I just want to break all the ties. I, I don't want any more attachment. I want to be able to go onto my property and, you know, you know, manage it accordingly without having to worry about I'm in violation of something. Yeah, no, I, I think you're going to do the right way. You're giving plenty of time. Um, and if you'd visited it twice, I, I would just ask them for a clear and equivocal statement. Obviously, you know, we're here on the radio. We don't know every detail, and that's where – so we can't give specific legal advice and say, oh, yeah, do, now, now you've, you're fine. But it sounds like you're getting that. I would make sure it's a clear, unequivocal statement from okay. from the estate attorney um, that's there because you you shouldn't have to guess the right answer. You should be able to know the right answer from them. Correct. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for calling in, and good luck. So, Ace, I know we Even. only have a few minutes yeah, left. Yeah, I can't believe there's before, only five minutes left. The end of the show. Yeah. I know, I know. We've it's covered been... so much. We did. We did. A lot. But, you know, Stephen, I mean, in talking about New York City, uh, what are you seeing out there in terms of um, the city coming back to life and, you know, a lot of people that are not in Manhattan, they tend to ask me all the time, how is it in Manhattan, Ace? You know, like, are things coming back? Are the theaters open? What are you seeing, Stephen? I know you, I know you work out of Midtown uh, during the weekday, so what are, you, what are you seeing coming into the city? I'm definitely seeing the, the right trend line. Things are getting, you know, better, and it takes time, um, but you see some new stores that are opening, you see a lot of developers investing in their real estate, right? And this is a good sign, right? Even though you might say, oh, that building or maybe that hotel looks closed. Sure. But also note that it's a construction site, right? So maybe that hotel is temporarily closed, but they're now taking this opportunity to really upgrade and renovate all the rooms. And that's a positive. It shows that people are investing. And that's one of the signs that I see it's important. The people who own properties, are they putting more money in or not? And you see them putting money in. And look, you're going to have a natural cycle, right? We're, we're seeing so many innovations and changes throughout society. And sometimes when you do have a shock of something like COVID, where now all of a sudden people can step back and say, we need to make these upgrades. Because what's fascinating is if you take a stat, you need to at least have a vacancy of about 5% on average just so you can actually keep your real estate in good order. And New York City has had sexual vacancy rates for so long, landlords really haven't had the opportunity to make these upgrades. So the smart landlords are making those upgrades now, and we have an election coming. A couple of weeks, we'll have a new mayor, and I think that will bring also a lot of uh, optimism and growth to the city. 
definitely, um, Stephen, in the rental market, it's 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 at an all time high right now. Believe it or not, so uh, things are definitely trending in the right direction. There's rush hour traffic in the city. I can't believe I'm actually saying that, but if you're leaving right around four or five p.m., you know, get ready to be in traffic for 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 an hour or so. I mean, it's uh quite the scene um, here in the city. So I mean, I mean, look, I I couldn't even have imagined uh, during the pandemic last year when we were talking about New York City and you know what the recovery uh, timeline would have took. Uh, people were saying five years, but you know, less than 12 months later, and here we are, you know, our restaurants are busier than ever. Uh, you know, I, yesterday I was trying to make a reservation at a restaurant and they were fully committed till next month, Stephen. So I don't, I don't know about you, but I, I think New York City is coming back in a big way. So all oh, positive I think times it is. for sure. And I think also, there could, absolutely, and there's all sorts of positive news. Um, Johnson & Johnson, Moderna, their boosters got um, FDA approval. Um, yeah. Merck also has a pill that is, is already there, just waiting for regulatory approval. So there's also a lot of science for those focused on the pandemic, which, by the way, is important, but I believe there's a lot of things to focus in on. There's a lot of solutions out there. And so I, I think we it's a testament to how dynamic – New York City and the country is, and it's a great time to really put yourself back out there, invest, and and be there. I couldn't agree more, Stephen. It's uh, it's a great time. There's a lot of activity. Um, quarter at over quarter, the activity level has increased, uh, and there's uh, there's going to be deals out there. So I think we're we're at the end of the show, Stephen. Uh, time flies. You know, you did a great job today. Can't wait to, um, you know, get back at it next week with Dottie. And, uh, we, you know, we missed her dearly this week. But, you know, we thank all of our listeners. Thank you. And everyone have a wonderful week. We'll see you next Saturday on Ion Real Estate. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.